The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey, what's up, Hells fans? I want to take a moment to tell you about our friend Ralph Malbro and Andrew Juge at Saints Happy Hour. Not only are they the podcast that Sean Payton hates, uh, if you guys haven't heard that excerpt, you need to, uh, but they cover the Saints with a perfect blend of sincerity and uh, stupidity. Uh, God's honest truth. I love this podcast, you guys. I listen to every episode. Uh, it's it's honestly my favorite. I probably listen to 30 podcasts per week, and I never miss these guys, not only because I love the New Orleans Saints. I've had, uh, I had season tickets from 1991 to 2002. But honestly, these guys are just freaking hilarious. I podcast all the time, as you guys know, and and I often lament that I'm not as funny as these guys. So make sure you download their podcast, Perfect Blend of Fun and Saints Coverage. Search Saints Happy Hour wherever you get your podcasts and let them know we sent you. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Part episode of the Bird Calls podcast. I'm your host and contributor to thebirdrights.com, Preston Ellis. And I know we're a bit down on the uncertainty surrounding the NBA season. Is it going to continue? Are we going to go straight to the playoffs? One thing we are certain of is the NBA draft. It might not happen uh, June 20th as it did last year, but it's going to happen inevitably at some point, uh, whether it be then or in September. So we brought on a couple of experts to help us out with their mock draft, get a little excited about the Pelicans picking right now in the late latter uh, half of the lottery. So we'll start out with Ben Pfeiffer. You can follow him at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. Ben, your last name is awesome. Do do you get that a lot? Uh, no, I just get mostly um, I can't spell that or how do you pronounce that? Um, but I know I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, I do have a friend That's named a Mark Pfeiffer, whose last name is just the traditional F-I-F-E-R. Uh, mm. His is uh, Ben's is followed by the silent P to throw you guys off. So make sure you look for that. We've also got Charlie <laughs> Gonzalez. I think it's at CWG the second. Is that right, Charlie? That's correct, Preston. Good job. Yeah. How you doing, man? How's quarantine treating you? Well, uh, I have a three-year-old uh, who is about to lose her mind, but otherwise everything's been fine. <laughs> that doesn't sound serious at all. Uh, I have a, a a daughter that will be eight weeks old in two days, so yeah, I guess it's a bit easier than yours, but still some uncertain circumstances that we're we're dealing with without the help of like grandparents and and that sort of thing. Uh, let's go ahead and get started. Get past the chit chat, the small talk. Uh, we'll start with Ben Pfeiffer. We're just going to run down your mock lottery. We're going to start at picks one through three. You're going to give us them. Give us like a short excerpt on why you have those guys ranked where they are, what you think about them, whether they're overvalued, properly valued, where they would stack up like in a in a different traditional draft, like how good, like superstar potential. And then we'll have Charlie Cross examine you. So, Ben, the floor is yours. Um, Sure. So my my top guy is LaMelo. I think that's pretty par with consensus. And just this like six foot seven point guard. Uh, I think like this, like, if he were a college player, he'd be I think the second youngest American player in the draft. Um, is 
really elite savant level passer like does passes that just like nobody else on the planet does i, I mean at his highs just any size in general just an incredible playmaker uh probably the best dribbler in the class as well with his ability to string together dribble moves and then like the pull-up shooting there's questions with the shot mechanics and his free throw percentages but his touch is awesome and just the like the degree of difficulty which he takes them and the shots that he takes i have confidence that he'll shoot at some point uh the big issues with Lamelo come with his defense which is basically non-existent um largely largely due to his terrible frame he's so weak in his core and his lower body and also largely due to the fact that before um the nbl he quite literally has never played defense before and that's not like a oh yeah he just never was good at defense like no he was never asked to play defense like chino hills uh, uh full court press and at spire he sat in the corner and didn't move so he has a long way to go there but like, like in this class uh nobody has more upside than lamello in my opinion as someone with his size and playmaking ability and if he can shoot pull-ups like that so he's my number one guy in this class now ben as far as lamello goes i mean you had last year where you know zion was unequivocally the number one pick it didn't matter where he was going to fall like it, you know whoever got the pick was going to take zion that wasn't question so this year you know you've got Lamelo ranked number one I think a lot of uh, different locations uh, as far as outlets go have him ranked number one as well uh, do you think that that is like a 50-50 chance based on the you know the lottery results or, or, or you know somewhat uh, less of a opportunity kind of like you know flavor of the week kind of thing whoever kind of ends up with it Probably less than 50-50, I'd say. I mean, people are yeah. like very uncertain. I'd say it's probably one of LaMelo, um, Anthony Edwards, or James Wiseman um, who's likely going to go number one. And I think that's kind of just going to depend on team and a lot of things. Or maybe someone crazy, someone else crazy slips into that slot. So, no, I don't think it's a given at all that he goes number one. I think he could, I think he could fall farther than people expect. He could go number one. It's just – this draft's going to be weird because there's – Oh, like you said, there's no consensus top guy. Look, yeah, there's just nobody there. So, uh, let given me follow. The, the, the Sorry, strange, go ahead. Go ahead, Preston. No, 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 Charlie, get in there. I was just going to say, given the strangeness of this draft and how uh, so many people have compared it to 2013 already, I'm actually curious to see who you guys think would be the theoretical Anthony Bennett here. Who's the absolute most ridiculous opportunity at number one that would just blow minds and cause Bill Simmons to have another heart attack on live TV? <laughs> I haven't thought about that. Um, that's a good question. Um, yeah, we'll sit on it. Yeah, but that, I, think, you know, I just keep thinking okay. about that, the similarities. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have a couple answers. I, I think if, like, like, in terms of shock factor or in terms of, like, how badly it would end up, or both? <laughs> I think both kind of kind of impacted. The but, first one but, that yeah. came to my mind is Tyrese Halliburton. Um, I guess, like, that would be kind of surprising, even though he is, like, billed pretty highly by some. And I think if he went number one, he'd likely be asked to be a lead initiator, which we'll probably talk about it at some point later. So then that would just be terrible. So that's the, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah, all right. I'm just writing that down under bust potential. You heard it here first. Penn is picking Tyler Halliburton as a bust. I'm just kidding. We're, we're going to flush all these out. We're going to get all the way to 14, and then we're going to talk about who you think has bust potential, who has the highest ceiling, who might not realize that. We're going to flush all this stuff out. But first, we got to get to number two and number three. Like you said, LaMelo might not be the consensus number one overall pick. So let's talk about number two and number three on your board. If LaMelo isn't that pick, who's the next two guys you have ranked? 
Yeah, um, my next two guys are Anthony Edwards and Killian Hayes. And I'll, like, actually lump my fourth guy in with these, cause, which is Tyrese Maxey, because they're all, like, in the same tier. And these are all guys who, like, I would consider number one and I think would be fine going number one. Um, that's just kind of how bad this draft is. There's four guys who, like, if you took a number one, I really wouldn't question it. Um, Anthony Edwards, Georgia freshman. It's like super powerful athletic guard and a really ridiculous uh, shot making flashes at some point with his his crazy difficult shots and some space creation with his handle. And then he's super powerful first step, incredibly explosive vertically, makes some crazy plays around the rim. But the issues with him are he really has blinders as a passer and he takes some really mind numbing shots all, all the time and misses passes. He's not as good a finisher as he should be. He, d- he really doesn't get to the rim probably some function of mentality and decision-making. Also, his handles is not very good. And then defensively, he really doesn't try. But so so it's a lot of, like, like, like definitely would be a gamble with Anthony Edwards because of that. Because his decision-making, because, because if he's not, like, a baseline-level decision-maker or defender, he could be a type of player that's, like, a wrong initiator, even if he hits his shot-making ceiling, where he, like, adds a lot of, like, scoring value, but he takes away so many other places that... It's not really worth it. And then Killian Hayes, um, not opposite, but like different than Anthony Edwards, lacks that like high end creation upside because he's not super bursty. And there's uh, questions about his um, like his pull up shooting, uh, even though he started to shoot pull up threes more this year. So those questions, but he's an incredible passer, not on the level of Lamelo, I don't think, but certainly up there. Um, really excellent passer uh, in the pick and roll, hitting cutters, shooters. Um, got got a lot stronger, got more athletic this year, improved his change of direction a lot in terms of getting to the rim. He's he's six foot five. He's legitimately big, so he he's a big guard. So he will go through guys. Uh, and then on defense, he's strong and he's improved a lot at the point of attack. And he's a and he's a legit defensive playmaker. But just um guy who's maybe doesn't have as high a ceiling as the other guys, and is also very left hand dominant at this point. I'm going to quickly go over Tyrese Maxey, who is six foot three Kentucky guard, who had a bit of a disappointing season statistically and is a bit more complicated one than, than the other two, probably. Just that um, I believe in him as a fairly high-level offensive player, um, especially going back to his AAU days where he was able to showcase a lot of things that he didn't at Kentucky, like efficient three-point shooting and even some more playmaking. But just super bursty, explosive, getting to the rim, should be a really good finisher. And defensively, I have belief in him because he's really strong, and I think his team defense is better than his numbers at Kentucky showed. So. Charlie, you want to add anything to that or, or cross-examine him oh, on I any will, of these picks? I will gladly add to that, especially on Maxi, because uh, Ben and I are 100% on the same page, and I'm so excited that he listed Maxi as high as he did because I absolutely love the kid. I think you know he's a, a kind of product of that Kentucky system uh, that a lot of people have seen before where there's so much kind of mishmash talent all over the place that they don't necessarily fit together perfectly or, or even much at all. You know, I mean, he's playing in the backcourt with Ashton Hagens. He's got um, all these different uh, high level recruits around him and he still is able to showcase a lot of talent. I think the kid is going to be really special. He kind of, you know, given the world, you know, Appel's pockets, he kind of gives me some drew vibes with his ability to get to the rim. He's kind of stays on a level plane with the way he attacks the basket and kind of can get, to the hole and still finish inside with contact. He's compact. He's about six, three and got a good stroke. He needs to get a little higher. I feel like 
Um, it's kind of yeah. a little flat sometimes, but it's a, I think it's a good form. And again, we're talking about if he theoretically uh, was, gets you know more reps in a pro system that's not <laughs> the Calipari, uh, you know, let's roll the balls out. But um, I think that Max is a huge, huge opportunity with this class, depending on where he goes. I think that the, there is some uh, necessary for him to go to the right system uh, and be in a, a right environment, but he could be a real high-end player. Yeah, there are things Maxi can't do, and I think that's definitely like not overlooking his limitations because he's not going to be a pick and roll playmaker, and there's definitely a chance his shot isn't as good as advertised. But like in this class, given like his uh, his slashing upside and his legitimate three-level scoring upside, it's hard for me to pass on him. Um, like, or it's hard for me to not include him in this tier. And I think, yeah, I think he's, like you said, um, the Kentucky system, um, although like, like don't want to just like chalk up all of his flaws to he played at Kentucky. Um, so he's perfect, but that's a legitimate thing that Kentucky does suppress talent. I mean, if you listen to Tyrese Maxey talk, like he'll talk about how he basically never played off ball before Kentucky. He was never asked to shoot mid ranges before Kentucky. So he had to adapt a lot this season, like on the fly. And I think um, there's no reason he couldn't do that in the NBA. Cause like you said, he's really, he's super charismatic. Seems like a hard worker. Seems like a really good guy. So excited about him. All right. Now I'm taking a lot of notes here. Obviously you guys are the draft experts. Uh, I spent all my time watching NBA and I, I can't imagine how you guys make time to watch both sports, but, but here's what I'm going to interject here. It seems that there is a bit of dissension between different draft forums from Bleach Report, NBA Draft, NBA Draft Express, uh, NBA Draft Net was the first one that uh, I, I was mentioning. And and now we're uh, getting through your mock draft. And it seems like each one of these different sites has vastly different opinions on where each of these guys land with uh, LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards being the obvious uh, exceptions. But Killian Hayes, Tyrese Maxey, they're both around like the 9 to 13 range among other forms. I don't mean this as a bad thing. I mean this as a really good thing. We don't know how these teams are going to evaluate these players. Uh, what do you attribute to this uh, a difference of opinion between all these sites? Why are these guys so difficult to to uh, peg down as unanimous among all these different draft sites? Well, Maxi um, probably is a lot of a lot of it's just his his underwhelming this season, which I think is reasonable. But at some point, it goes too far, like you said, with him. Like I think in the lottery, that's just late lottery is incredible value for him. Killian Hayes, um, like maybe some like international familiarity. Also, he, I mean, Killian Hayes has never really been like a big like like that high highly rated for whatever reason. Uh, but I think like you said, it, 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 like it's gonna vary everywhere in, in this class. Like opinions are so all over the place. Sweet, we've only got well, thirty. Think- oh, go ahead. I was also going to say, I think that a lot of it has to do with the the uh, high level of uh, international injection in this draft as well, because I mean, even the American players like Lamelo and RJ Hampton are both, you know, playing overseas and kind of out of sight, out of mind. So that's two players who we would at least have more exposure to on a national level and from a kind of casual viewer aspect. Um, but then you still got, you know, like Killing Hayes, you've got uh, uh, Denny Abijah. I-, I can never say his name right. Abdija. Um, and then uh, um, even guys like Theo Maladon who have been there, been kind of in the mill uh, for for this for a while. So these these are kind of a lot of players. Um, and then you even have some surprises that kind of popped onto the scene this season and didn't have March Madness to, to kind of uh, flush out how they were going to be uh, on the draft board. I mean, I think that really impacts a lot of these sites' variability here. 
You know, Obi Toppin was having a great season. He's all over the place. I mean, I've seen him as high as like two or three after Edwards, after uh, Ball, and then I'll see him at like 15. Uh, so it's it's going to be so much about I think positional fit uh, for each team this year uh, and what these players can't do um, more than even what they can, uh, and, and that's going to be a really uh, interesting dynamic to hear see play out. Uh, that's just my opinion. All right, great stuff. Uh, we've got 13 minutes. A reminder, this is part one. So in part two, we're going to address directly which types of players the Pelicans should be targeting or what guy might fall to the Pelicans that they'd be thrilled with. Uh, since we've got nine players or 10 players left on this list, let's let's get out of the way of just uh, ranking them one by one. Let's just talk overall value in terms of five through 14. Which guys do you think have the highest ceiling? And even though they aren't the type of player that might turn into an uh, all-star type player right now, you think could potentially break their shell and become that player in time, Ben? <laughs> that's that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Um, I'm, I mean, that's that's difficult. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'll throw you a couple that could maybe, like, break their perceived ceiling. Uh, first one I'll go with is Patrick Williams, um, Florida State forward. Um, he's six foot. Um, his, like maybe like latent upside comes from the fact that he's a six foot eight wing, really, really strong, fairly bursty, um, vertically explosive. And he's also the youngest American player in the draft. Um, he has really good shooting indicators, like around 86% of the line. I could be wrong, but something, something really good for his, for his age and his size shot well on threes and flashed a little bit of everything on offense. Um, the big issue with him is he's just really clunky laterally. His feet are pretty terrible, and his hips are really slow uh, turning. So he's definitely going to struggle guarding the perimeter. And he's a four, not a three, but I think he's a good four. I mean, six foot eight with a with a plus wingspan, really strong and bouncy. Just just like if he could get in a strong development system, like a, a system that's really going to develop his skills and turn his offensive flashes of of pick and roll passing or pull up shooting into something that's more material, then he could be a really really great player because the, the NBA is always looking for big players who can do lots of things and are versatile. So he's definitely going to be up there as like a maybe late upside shot or maybe someone who could flame out because he's just not, he just can't move enough or the flashes won't materialize, but he just being so young is, is a point in his favor. Charlie, is there a steal that you see in this lottery? Some guy that you're really, really high on that maybe necessarily you don't think the draft experts have ranked highly enough. Wow, that's a tough one. In the lottery range, there's a few guys. Um, and again, it, this speaks to the the kind of all over uh, aspect of this draft. Um, I do like uh, the uh, Abdija, the I believe he's a uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv, Israel. Um, gives me a lot of, uh, and I hate to do this because you know you compare a white foreign guy to another white foreign guy, but uh, I do. He gives me a lot of Gallinari vibes when I've watched him. He's not very strong right now from the tape that I've seen, um, so that's an area that he's going to need to improve because he's kind of going to be one of those like tweener, uh, three four, you know, similar to like Gallinari, similar to Melly, similar to like guys like that that are going to have to play. But I like his his uh, some of his instincts a lot as a scorer, as a shooter, playmaker. Um, uh, Aaron Neesmith, uh, the kid from uh, Vandy, uh, are, he's he's going to be a big time shooter. I have a just he's a knockdown shooter. He's going to 
be able to slide in and play basically everywhere. He's big. He can he can fire it from from all over. Uh, and I think that that's the kind of guy that, that that's going to be most valuable here. I don't know if there's going to be like um, you know a ma- massive you know Giannis coming out of the coming out of lottery similar in the past. Um, but and also you know we just talked about Maxi. He's a guy that's probably going to fall uh, similar. And I think Maxi's maybe the kind of type of player that will be high value uh, later on in the draft that a lot of people aren't necessarily uh, counting on. Um, and the last one I would say as far as in that range, um, it just depends. I would say uh, Okongwu, uh, the USC forward center, a lot of people call him like, you know, Bam Adebayo 2.0. Um, he's got some of those similarities, but again, he's got, you know, I think it depends on what, what, where you're able to take him. Uh, but Okongwu is a really talented, nice player that I think would be an awesome value depending on where you can get him in the lottery. All right, Ben, I am the GM of whatever respective franchise you guys want to identify with. I guess the Pelicans in in this uh, example, I've got a pick. We're on the clock. I'm about to select this player. And then you stand up and you say, hold a second, Preston. I I think you might have ranked this guy too highly. Let's let's go back to the drawing board and let me explain why you might be reaching for this guy and why he's not my favorite pick at this spot. If there's somebody who's being overvalued that you think might not necessarily uh, uh, live up to his first round draft grade, I I think we talked about uh, Tyrese Halliburton uh, earlier. Who are some other guys that you think that other experts are just overvaluing at this point in the process? Okay, so, I mean, there's a couple obvious ones that I don't have in my top tier. First first is James Wiseman, who, like, I've come on a, come up on a little bit. I mean, he's seven foot one. He, he's massive. Um, he is really graceful moving in the open floor. He moves crazy well, and he can probably protect the rim. So I think, like, he'll be a fine, like, regular season big man who can soak up minutes and be acceptable. But just, like, he's slacking in so many areas. I mean, he doesn't really have any notable offensive ability, whether it be shooting or handling or passing or even, like, really efficient interior scoring. And defensively, he's so he's really slow and clunky moving in the short area, and he jumps at just about everything. Just not not very smart or technical, which is why his ceiling is quite limited in terms of being like a fourth quarter big or like like a they call like a sixteen game player, someone who can really add value in the playoffs. So I mean, I think if we're taking him like in like the late lottery, like mid late teens range, that's fine because he's probably going to be a solid NBA player, but just not someone I want any part of in like the high lottery. And then the other guy who's like 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 Charlie talked about earlier is Obi Toppin, who I've even seen some people mock at number one, which is insane to me. Number one? What? Yeah, I have seen a mock draft. I did see a mock, won't name, um, I I, I don't even think I can remember whose mock it was. I had him at number one to Minnesota, which is a terrible fit, besides the point. Um, Yeah, I'm really not a believer (laughs) in in Obi Toppin relatively. I think he'll be a good offensive player because he's – because he's very talented finishing the ball. He can really pass, sh- should be able to shoot. But Obi Toppin is really old. He, um, He's already 22, I believe, which is really, really old for a sophomore and just old in general, which which like that matters, um, especially considering how bad he is defensively. Um, I'll quickly say, yeah, he's one year, I believe he's one, one day older or yeah, one day older than Jason Tatum, which is either one day older or one day younger than Jason I Tatum, which is cra- which is crazy. And then defensively, he's just a mess. So not a guy I want a part of in that high 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 part of the draft. Charlie, what about you, man? Uh, I've been on this train all year. Uh, Cole Anthony, 
I know that he's fallen down on a lot of big boards um, and kind of more into that late lottery range. I absolutely am. I don't know if you want to call me a hater or what. I cannot stand Cole Anthony, his game, anything of that nature. I think he's Austin Rivers 2.0, which if you want to draft that, that's fine. Austin Rivers, you know, has had a reasonably successful career. Um, I just don't think that he is going to be someone that's going to be what he was projected out of high school or, or, or even sometime of the year at, at Carolina. He, I, I just cannot see uh, the shot selection, the, the overall physicality, the hand. I mean, just everything kind of projects to me on a, a very downward level as far as when he gets against pro competition, against pro defenses uh, and scouts. It, it just, uh, there's nothing about his game that, that jumps out to me as anything beyond mediocre or average. All right, good stuff. Now we've got two really good questions. And for those of you who sent questions, thank you so much. We're going to get to most of these on the second part of this pod because most of them are Pelicans related. But for those that aren't, um, that that fit what we're asking a bit more right now, from Will Moe and Michael de Blasio, hopefully I pronounced that correctly. We'll start with Ben. Is there any player in the NBA draft that would be worth trading up for without giving up too much? I can't pronounce this, but Avdija, Toppin, Killian, uh, these are the ones that he's recommending. If you are a team in the latter half of the lottery or maybe a little bit behind that, and there is somebody who's falling uh, to that spot, who to you would be worth trading up for, Ben? The short answer is the, the short answer is going to be nobody. Because I think generally, generally trading down is advisable. Um, and like, especially in this class where there's going to be more value later, I think getting more picks, especially for next year, which class is totally stacked next year, at yeah. least at the top, if you can get picks next year. Um, but I'll say, I guess like there's some situations, there are two players who, who I think a team could really rationalize trading up for. Another two guys that we've already talked about, which are Killian Hayes and Tyrese Maxey. Because like if Tyrese, if you're saying that like, pick 14 and Maxi's still not gone. I think if you can give up a reasonable amount and go get him from like pick 19 or 20, that's, that's killer value. Like if you can not give up too much, uh, same with Killian Hayes, but he'll likely go a little bit higher besides those two guys. I mean, there's nobody who I really think is worth giving up uh, that many assets, unless like you can give up like a late second or some like dumb, some crappy contract filler. Like, But generally I would be anti-trading up. All right, Charlie, is there somebody, uh, if you're the Pelicans, let's say, and you're at 12 or 13, and you see somebody sliding down to like 8, 9, 10, and you've got all these Lakers picks, you've got your Pelicans picks, uh, probably uh, second-round picks aren't rich enough to move into that range. But if you do want to use a Lakers pick to move up, let's say, two or three spots, who are you targeting? So I'm going to go against uh, against the grain here, at least for this pod, uh, especially against Ben. I would actually not be upset trading up a little bit and offering up a little bit of value for James Wiseman. I, I am actually a believer in Wiseman. Now I will uh, full disclosure. Uh, I, I am a, a, a big man aficionado and fanatic. Uh, uh, I do love myself uh, some footers and, and uh, big guys as it is. I understand and agree with Ben on all the negative points on Wiseman. I really do. But given the situation you're describing here for the Pels, I think that Wiseman theoretically uh, could be a long-term major upgrade over, uh, over uh, Jackson Hayes, even though I don't dislike Hayes. Uh, I just think that Wiseman's got this uh, 
complete package that gives me a lot of uh, kind of uh, Miles Turner meets uh, DeAndre Jordan vibe. Um, doesn't mean that he's going to become the kind of shooter that Turner is or defender, and doesn't mean that he's going to become the elite lob threat uh, for sure that, that DeAndre Jordan is. But if we were able to get him in the late, like, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10, I could totally conceive and rationalize the Pels giving up a little bit of, of capital uh, for moving up, but not necessarily jumping out of the next few drafts. Like Ben said, this one's just too weak. It's, I mean, I, I've even mentioned it before that trading out of this draft entirely as far as the first round would be more uh, prudent than necessarily moving up for any particular player. Uh, but I do, I am much higher on Wiseman than Ben is, but that's just a personal preference and, uh, and uh, projecting down the line. Also, because I really think that going forward, you're going to need to be able to have um, in the next era of basketball, there's going to be more bigs that are going to be more dominant with, you know, MB with around with uh, Jokic. Davis is obviously not ever going to play the five. So you're going to have to have somebody uh, to contend with their, their two bigs on the Lakers eventually. So that's my rationality as far as uh, looking ahead and potentially moving up for Wiseman. All right, this will be our last question, and it is a good one, Ben. Uh, It's something I've wondered myself. Obviously, uh, uh, the Pelicans struggled to find uh, their version of a a 3-and-D wing for quite some time. Uh, Now they've got a version of that in Brandon Ingram, an elite scorer, not necessarily uh, fitting that role I was just talking about, but just finding a wing. Um, And Will Moe has a question here. He says, how does positional slash role value affect how you rank players? For example, every year, but especially this year, guys like Nico, Terry, Riller, Trey, Jones, Dotson, Flynn, Winston, backup point guards are very available. Uh, so how does that uh, affect how you are ranking these players, Ben, and how you're associating value to them based on their position? I mean, yeah, the question basically hit it on the nail. Um, positional value is hugely important. And like, there's a reason while there's a reason that I think Onyeka Okongwu is likely to be a very good NBA player and pro- maybe the safest bet in this class to be in a, like a good NBA player. And I have him like towards the back of the top 10, just because he doesn't have that like primary initiator um, offensive upside, which is really what you need at the top of the draft. Um, and then op- and then as the draft comes, I'm going to prioritize wings because wings are really scarce in the NBA and they're important. And like I said, I'm going to devalue like fringy backup point guard types because they're just so easy to find. And like, like it's just an example. Like I've been watching a lot of international basketball lately and it, it, it's a stark reminder of how difficult it is to be a scoring guard in the, in the NBA. Like, like you'll just like you'll be watching and you'll see a random like really great college scoring guard like I was watching some game the other day and I saw Peyton Siva uh, like like he used to play at Louisville and I'm like I remember that guy who just like a great college guard can't make it in the NBA there's so many of those of those backup point guard types so it's just ranking them highly unless they have some really special traits um um it's not that great to me I mean especially I mean in this class maybe a little more lenient because it's just a really poor class in general and then like same with backup big types who I think are a little more valuable than backup point guards, but still um, like are still pretty replaceable. So absolutely positional value matters a lot in terms of rankings. All right. What about you, Charlie? Uh, you said that you love footers. <laughs> uh, t- <laughs> talk about why, uh, if you are somebody above the age of, uh, or above the size of six, 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 seven, six, eight, and you have that highly coveted wingspan, as, as we mentioned before the podcast, what can that do for you when assessing someone against, like he said, uh, those jitterbug type scoring guards? 
Oh, it's huge. I mean, it, you're, you're playing backline defense. Now you're talking about at the highest level. So being able to rotate is as important as being long and, and being able to hold your ground inside. Uh, so at the highest level, you have to be able to con- to at least contest and contend. Um, personally, you know, I'm, I, I'm a big guy myself. I, you know, I played college ball, but I didn't, you know, I always had to play against guys that were they're bigger and taller. I mean, the toughest guys were always the longest, you know, stoutest guys. I'll never forget playing against Greg Oden was like playing against, you know, a shadow. Um, and, and it's just the, that size, that length and ability to, to still recover uh, can cause so, so much damage as far as defensively. Because you look at, you know, their shot blocking, and I know they have a, you know, a, a lot more statistics these days that, that showcase effective field goal percentage around the rim. And that matters as far as getting the size of a of a player. He has to be able to move. They have to be able to reversal. There's a reason uh, that Rudy Gobert and the Jazz have struggle every year as far as keeping him on the court against certain teams, which speaks to Ben's point about the modern game and how challenging that can be. Uh, even if you have an elite player at that size and skill set to be able to keep them on the court against certain teams. Though, again, I do say, I do think that the tide is going to somewhat change uh, within the next few years, purely because of uh, the cyclical nature of the league and the fact that there'll be some changes in, implemented as well as uh, players just kind of adapting. All right, you guys, we're going to close up shop here and we're going to have our two-parter tomorrow. Uh, this is all the time we have for now. Remember, follow Ben at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. You can follow Charlie Gonzalez at CWG the second. Uh, that spelled out the word uh, the and then the number to nd anyway uh that's all the time we've got for now if you like what you're hearing just retweet share rate us on itunes uh if you already have just steal somebody else's phone and do it on theirs uh and remember ben has his own podcast where he exclusively talks about incoming prospects i think it's called prep to pro is that right ben yep the prep to pro nba draft podcast that is it Sweet. If you guys want to know more about these guys and let him flush it out, go more in depth than we are now. This obviously very abbreviated and will become Pelican centric very soon. So if you want more information from Ben, please be sure to rank that. And while you're there uh, and you've subscribed, why don't you give that five stars as well for now? Let's dance. Let's go. Pels. Thank you for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today have you ever wondered how to say good morning in italian or what is goodbye in french you can ask alexa just say what is happy birthday in german or how do you say hello in japanese Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.